Ilhan Omar. I don't know. Is it a new thing on the left to be professionally weak, perpetually offended? Andrew, did you hear what Lauren Boebert said? Yeah, I heard it. And Lauren Boebert apologized more than once. The idea that the minute somebody transgresses you with something insulting, that you automatically become an instant celebrity has got to stop. And to listen to Democrats whine about Lauren Boebert, hello, have you heard the things you've said about Republicans and conservatives and the Trump family and the like going on and going on and going on? You can't go around calling everyone you don't like a racist and a Nazi, you know, mocking their mocking them endlessly. And they go, oh, my little feelings. The Supreme Court. There is uh, a crowd outside the Supreme Court. That in, includes people who are, are very, very sick people. They are apparently taking abortion pills uh, as part of some protest that I, I don't think anybody really understands. I, I, don't, I don't understand their signs. It, it's They're taking abortion pills it, it, as some sort of protest. I don't know if they're actually pregnant. And I don't know if they're actually aborting their children there on video to make a point. But some of these people are very, very sick. Very, very sick individuals for which I don't think there's a cure. There's something very wrong with these people. Now, what's amazing about what's happening right now, if you've been following the, the oral arguments, is that it kind of sounds like a lot of these left-wing lawyers are making arguments against vaccine mandates. They're talking about liberty, the Constitution, the limits on power of government. Oh, I understand. Before any of you ankle biters start calling up screaming, you know, Andrew, it's a difference between an infectious disease and a pregnancy. I think we all get that. No, you know what? We all get that. We all get that there is a huge difference between a child developing and an airborne virus that's still that still doesn't change the argument about bodily autonomy and liberty and the limits of power there's nothing in the constitution that says in the presence of an airborne virus all civil rights go out the window no such thing the closest thing you may have to that is the 10th amendment but you have these people that are jumping up and down and foaming at the mouth about, about uh, well, it's airborne. You know, well, we get that. But the arguments they're making here about are about our person, our right to choose our health care. The arguments run parallel to arguments against vaccine mandates. And also, this is another one. I will say this, just get it out there. It does not, I don't believe in absolute moral authority. I possess no absolute moral authority. I'm adopted. I was born August 18th, 1972. This was, this was the time 
if that case had been decided a few months earlier, I might not be here. And I guess for some of you, that would be a good thing. I'm adoptive. One of the one of the arguments that's been getting a lot of pushback from Justice Kavanaugh and, and Barrett is they keep talking about the burden of motherhood, the burden of motherhood, the burden of motherhood, as if adoption is not an option. Of course it is. But Democrats are going to lose here. The Mississippi case, the Mississippi law is not an outright ban. The Texas law is not an outright ban. As a matter of fact, I don't see any states right now going for an outright ban. It's a restriction. But aren't we told, you don't have to be a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. The Democrats will tell you with a straight face that no right is absolute. Yet they will tell you two things with a straight face. After they tell you, they will tell you with a straight face that no right is absolute, justifying restrictions on the First Amendment, on the Second Amendment, on all the amendments. They will tell you that, that, that you know, it's funny that Barack Obama used to call the Constitution a charter of negative liberties. We don't even talk about the Ninth Amendment at all. That even there are some rights natural law-based rights that, although not codified in the Constitution, are still retained by the citizen. They might say, well, what about abortion? How can the Supreme Court create a right out of whole cloth? How can the Supreme Court do that? The Supreme Court cannot do that. The Supreme Court's not empowered to create anything. The Supreme Court is not empowered by Article 3. And and again, I realize that there's there's a lot of passion on both sides on this. The Supreme Court that was created by Article 3 of the Constitution was given no legislative authority. None. No law can be created by the Supreme Court. Actually, what would be great? And this concept, the concept of stare decisis is nonsense. The idea that because the Supreme Court once ruled, we can never revisit. Well, these are people that tell you that the Constitution is living and breathing. How could a court case be absolute, but the document that created the court be in total flux? Always subject to review. Always. Always subject to modernity or modern perception or the changing or evolving standards and definitions. How could that be? They say that the First Amendment and the Second Amendment are not absolute. But a right to an abortion can have no restrictions. We're not trying to get rid of the Second Amendment, they say. We just want reasonable restrictions. We're not trying to get rid of the First Amendment. We just want reasonable restrictions. Well, what they've told you here is that any restriction on abortion is unreasonable. Any restriction. Whether it be minor Minor girls and parental consent or spousal consent or after a heartbeat is detected or a certain period of time has passed into the second trimester, no restrictions. Abortion on demand, no restrictions, no apologies. So if during labor you change your mind, I don't want to be a mom, kill this baby, kill it now. And that's what they would be doing. They'd be killing that baby. 
Hell, they don't even care about that anymore. After Ralph Northam, after the governor of Virginia said, well, you know, if uh, the child survives the abortion, we'll have we'll put it on the table, keep it comfortable, and we'll have a discussion. What if, what does that mean? I would like someone, if, if you believe, that's an acceptable, if you believe in that labor during birth abortion or post-birth abortion, which you don't think is murder, I would like you to have the courage to tell me how you plan to end that life. Are you going to drown it? Strangle it? Inject it with a poison? I want you to tell us, since you love science so much, Mr. and Mrs. Democrat, follow the science. Tell us scientifically, in medically accurate terms, how you plan to snuff out that new life. See, some of you are so gutless. You're so gutless. You say, science, I believe in science. So let's talk about the science of abortion. But they'll tell you two things with a straight face. That non-citizens or citizens of other nations, right, even if they are diaspora, by being born in a nation, unless you are born on Gilligan's Island, some uncharted place on planet Earth, everybody is born into a nation, thus making you a citizen of that nation. The Democrats will tell you with a straight face that citizens of other nations have an inalienable right to file an asylum claim, cannot be negotiated, cannot be restricted by any means. These are also the people that told you that when Trump had a travel ban, it was racist and Joe Biden is doing what's smart. So they will tell you, they will tell you that no right is absolute on one side, First Amendment, Second Amendment. But then they'll tell you the right to an abortion or to file an asylum claim are inalienable and cannot be restricted. Well, which is it? The double think is amazing. So the arguments now, the opening oral arguments have just just ended. And you have some very sick people jumping up and down and throwing themselves on the floor, literally, in front of the Supreme Court. Now, I've thrown a lot at you. I've thrown a lot. And if it was my choice, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I love to take calls from people who really enjoy this program. Okay, I, I, I couldn't be more appreciative of people who like this program. I even appreciate the people that hate the program, you know. But I would rather have conversations with people who disagree with me as far as just what makes for good radio, right? And I'm not saying calling up and saying you like the program and Saying nice things is not good radio. I'm just I'm just saying in that nothing really gets advanced unless somebody, you know, shines a light on something that myself or my colleagues or, you know, we in the movement have overlooked, which is great. That's why we love taking calls. But I would love somebody to explain these three major things. Either bodily autonomy doesn't change because you're talking about something being contagious versus a growing child. And that you cannot say that rights are not absolute in the case of the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, 
but then say because of a court case, the right to an abortion is now inalienable and can face no restrictions on, on the state level and that people crossing the border illegally cannot be impeded on any level from filing an asylum claim. If rights are, and, and again, I'll just, I'll just reiterate, a citizen of another nation cannot have inalienable rights inside the United States before American citizens have inalienable rights. It can't happen, or else we don't have a nation. If a citizen of another nation has more power and privilege than citizens of the republic, then the republic is dead. But stare decisis also. We don't owe it to anyone to never challenge Roe v. Wade, which even some left-wing scholars think was poorly decided. The Supreme Court created, and I would I would argue the same for same-sex marriage. The federal government wasn't designed to be involved in these things. And the idea that one person bringing their case to court creates a new law. I mean, I'll stop all day. If you could show me, if you could show me where in Article 3 the Supreme Court has legislative powers, when Article 1 clearly states all legislative authority resides in the Congress, none of which resides in the executive branch or in the judicial branch. There are only two places to find legislative authority in the nation. Well, I will I will break that down a little bit further with a, with a caveat. That's in the Congress of the United States and in the state legislatures. Now, you do have legislative authority, yes, in the form of county and municipal or town, village, hamlet, parish government. But really, if we're talking about the Constitution, there is the federal legislative authority and then the state legislative authority. The legislative authority is not shared with the executive branch or with the judicial branch. Wines at 695 Patriot 957 2874. We are right. They are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot.